The way we got into this was there's this article, not here, this, by Rav Moshe Mordechai Farbstein, Rashi Ben Chevron, trying to understand the following din. When it comes to a cholosh, yesh bo sakana, on Shabbos, so what can you do for him? So anything, right? So the question is, okay, anything, anything, or not anything, anything? So anything that they absolutely, he absolutely needs to save his life. So, okay, of course we're going to do it. Fine. Okay. Then it's a big machloket. Okay, do you do it by Israel or by Nachro? Okay, if time is of the essence, so then we don't ask questions, and you do whatever needs to be done immediately without questions. But let's say time is not of the essence. He's a cholos, sakana. But whether you treat him in the next five seconds, you treat him in the next five minutes, you treat him in the next hour, it's not going to change the outcome. So you have time to find a nachri. Should you find a nachri or not to save his life? Because if you ask a nachri, it's only been a miracle nachri, it's only been an Rabbanan. If you do it, it's an Isidara. So time is not of the essence. So could you do it or not? Classic case I always give is, let's say there's a surgical patient, had emergency surgery Friday. So about morning, you have to check their wound. You have to, tr- you have to check the wound. Fine. You must. So you're going to go in, you're going to check the wound. There's light, you need to turn the light on. But let's say the nurse stops you in the hallway before you're about to go in. Oh, how you doing? Shabbat shalom. You have coffee. Good. How are you kids? If you have enough time for that conversation, you also have enough time to ask her to turn the light on. Meaning, who turns the light on? Obviously, the light needs to be turned on. No question there. You can turn the light on to check the wound. Can you do it? Or should you ask the non-Jewish nurse to do it? Meaning, time is up. If you had enough time to smooth about the coffee, you have enough time to ask her to turn on the light. Meaning you were out. You're going to check all the patients. You have to check. But the moments aren't, you wouldn't be chesmate. So, isn't that a little different Because you could argue that turning on the light is not part of But you can't do it. If he's sleeping, you can't do the mitzvah. You can't check it without the light. You must have the light. Otherwise, you can't check You need to check it well. You need to have light. You can't. Right, you can't play games. The wound needs to be checked. So they say, oh, that's going to be a machlok between hutra and dechuyah. If you hold it, that pukuach nefesh is hutra on Shabbos, so therefore we don't care. Pukuach nefesh treats Shabbat as if it doesn't exist. But it doesn't matter who does it. And if it's dechuyah, meaning no, we, it, it sets aside Shabbat, so it only sets aside that which is absolutely necessary. Is this absolutely necessary? So they say the same chakira now applies to the following case of the Maganisha. The Maganisha goes to the Rambam. The Rambam says that on the Shabbat, the chole, we treat him commotion that we treat him on chol. We treat the chol on Shabbos just like we treat him on chol. So it sounds like putra. Ironically, the Rambam starts off that paragraph saying b'chuyahiyah Shabbos. Because this whole chakir between putra and b'chuyah doesn't appear in Yishonim. We piled it on later. So the Rambam uses the word b'chuyah. He appears. He means putra. But that's what it clearly means. So no. So the question is, does it matter, or does it, does Shabbat exist? Or do we say no? Or does Shabbat not exist? So the Rambam isn't using that language. The Rambam is explaining, though, we treat him just like we would on Chol. It sounds like a Tutra. He uses the word Chuya, but he, does not, he doesn't know that we're using a, a 20th century later, you know, model to explain his words so people jump on the Rambam. He says, so the Magid Mishnah there says, what about Sh'artz Rachav Shulchola? What's Sh'artz Rachav Shulchola? It sounds like, and then Yosef understands it this way, that which we do for him, which isn't necessary to save his life. So last time he used the example of chicken soup. Can you make him chicken soup on Shabbat? Magid Mishnah seems to say it's okay. Really? According to the Rambam. That's what you were doing this Tuesday. And everyone jumps on him. What? How could that possibly be? It's only, it, Shabbat exists. It only doesn't exist. Even when you say Hutra, when Shabbat doesn't exist. It doesn't exist in what realm? You can't go and plant your, 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 your tomato plants. 
So what realm? So because it has to do with the chola. So that's where we started this. And Rebbeinstein makes the argument that when it comes to someone who is already a chola sakana, we have a lower threshold of that which counts. Meaning, let's say this treatment only has it's 0.5% effective. We would never bother doing. It. We, we, if you were telling me, can I do this 0.5% effective treatment on Shabbat for somebody? The answer is no. I'm sorry. It needs to be 1%, let's say. I'm making up a number. It needs to be a certain threshold of dangerous to do it on Shabbat. Otherwise, you can't do it. But once there's a cholos yesh post sakana, that threshold goes down. Once he's a cholos to make him a cholos yesh post is he or not, we're going to use the regular threshold. But once he's a cholos yesh post sakana, we use a lower, a lower threshold. And then we pointed out that this uh, Rev, uh, Rev Mordechai Alter, who I, I'm, I'm not mistaken, is not the same Rev Mordechai Alter from Ger, uh, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. How could that possibly be? That's not true. Fine. His, 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 forget proving it for a minute, that we could do another time. His basis for this idea is public health. He quotes Rav Shlomo Zamorovach. Rav Shlomo famously had a case, he had two cases that he was asked. The, the, the case he was asked, and then the muscle that he gave to prove the case he was asked. The case he was asked was a chayal in Modi'in. Sabah was in Modi'in. That's what he used to do. Uh, he was listening to Morse code. The job was to listen to the Morse code and write down everything. Write down what the enemy was saying, and then transmit that to whatever base, and they will determine what to do with it. Now, they're talking in code. It's not always clear what's going on, so you have to write down it's gibberish, because it's in code. And then you transmit the code to base, and then they do whatever they have to do to interpret. to interpret the code. So he wanted to say like this. He said, look, I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I can tell which codes are going to be from the army, and which codes are going to be just from a guy. He goes, he's listening on the Morse code, he doesn't know who he's listening to. You're hearing everything, but he can tell which direction it's coming from, right? They can triangulate and see where direction it's coming from. He says, look, if it's coming from Syria, okay, I'll send it to the base. But if it's coming from the farm down the block, no, no, I'll write it down and I'll deal with it after Shabbat. Does he have a right to do that or not? Does he have a right to say, look, the likelihood that this is going to be dangerous is so low. Because I can tell where it's coming from. It's not his job. His job is to write down and transmit to the Shabbat. And the transmission, let's assume for the sake of argument, involves Joel Shabbat. Let's just pretend for the moment to make it to the case. Does he have a right to say it's not likely? And for some of the says, absolutely not. You have to write down everything and send it over. Why? Because you might miss something. Okay, but, but that's the same thing that you'll do when it comes to any, any likelihood. So meaning, if, it's, if we're talking about statistics... It's based on this. It, meaning it's all based on this this uh, this piece. You write notes because you gave aspirin as opposed to correct. So I think this is all based on the same thing. Um, I'm going to make the argument that it's all based on the same thing. I disagree. So if someone from Orbach was asked about this case, we can find it for a moment. Um, so Pianuach Koden, right? This Tofan, and he assumes that that's okay. So the question is why. So he says, well, let's say you're the, right, we used this case last time. When you drive, so there's a risk that you might get hurt. It's one in 10,000, one in 100,000. One in 100,000, I'm driving. But if you're the governor of Florida, I didn't mean that. If you're the governor of a large state, <laughs> you can't, maybe you would, 
you can't pretend that one hundred thousand isn't significant. One hundred thousand, a lot of people. You can't take that as insignificant. You have a different barometer than the individual does. Well, there's the politics part of it. Maybe he doesn't, but you should, right? So why? It's the same statistics. So you see that when it comes to public safety, we have a lower threshold. So this, the Pianuch Kodim, is an issue of public safety. It's not for you. It's, you're right. For you, it's okay. But for the country as a whole, we have a lower threshold, and therefore we have a lower threshold, and therefore you have to do it. You have to do it. It's required because we have a lower threshold when it comes to um, public, public health. I thought this was the same argument that the Sicily Ezer was making. Can an ambulance drive back to the bit, to its location on Shabbat? Leave aside Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Orba. How do you get back? Can the ambulance go back at all? He says, well, it's likely that something will come up again. How likely is it? So for each individual in the city, it's very, 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 very low. But on the city as a whole, it depends on the city, depends on the number. And therefore, when we have this lower, this lower threshold, he says the same thing, can you fix the generator on Shabbat? And again, in Israel, where everything's, everyone's Jewish. So, okay, if my electricity goes out on Shabbat, do I have to fix my electricity on Shabbat? No. The likelihood that turning on my electricity is going to save my life on Shabbat is so slim. Like, give me a break. But if I'm running a city, the likelihood that the electricity is going to save somebody's life now rises to a level of a higher percentage. So, you'll tell, because we have, alternatively, so that's not exactly fair, because it's a rise to a higher percentage. But let me know. That same percentage is the same likelihood, meaning why is it more likely that someone's going to need it on the city level? It's not. It's the same. It's the same. It's just like an accumulation of people. If you have a hospital. So if you have a hospital, it's a different question. So they ask, I think it's someone's on again. It might be someone's on Well, they'll fix the electricity. So you don't have to come on to this. You don't have to come on to this. Of course you can fix The question was, what if they fix the electricity on Shabbat? Can you use it? You're a healthy person in your house. Can you use it? So that depends. Did they violate Shabbat when they fixed it or not? He said, no, they didn't. Because the likelihood of there being someone who needs it right now is high. So that it, it currently exists. So they fixed it for him, and you just benefited slightly. But the threshold is lower. We're going to allow you to do things for this public level um, for a lower, a lower uh, threshold. So the question is, where do you get this idea from? Where do you have this idea that public... I mean, we just said it, but like... How do you know it's true? How do you know that when it comes to the seaboard, you're allowed to? And there are a couple of uh, riots for this. Uh, the first is Maran Shabbat Membet, Mechabin Gachel Shal Gachel Bishabbos, right? If there's a coal outside, you're allowed to put it out on Shabbat. Then Zvigla Chodros is alright, there's a Rabbanon, what's the Isser? And then why? Um, the Ran writes very clearly that it's not dangerous. Come on. It's dangerous, but like, okay, he's always going to die because there's like a hell of outside. Right? But something, so he says like this, it could hurt people. The nizka derabim kisakanat nefashat kashifla. Nizka derabim. The, ding, the, the nezek of rabim is like sakanat nefashat, which is a way lower threshold. So why is that? Why is that? It's because when you're talking about lots and lots of people, perhaps, you have this lower a uh, lower threshold for it. Uh, can you kill snakes on Shabbat? Right? So there is some Rishonim who say, Rabim Nizokin Bo. I'm not going to the right. So because the Rabim or Nizok Bo, you could violate an Issa Zoraita? Usually not allowed to violate an Issa Zoraita to avoid pain. The pain of the Rabim, that does. So why? Because you're right. If a snake bites 100 people, 99 of them will be fine. One of them won't. So for me, it's fine. For them, but for all of us, it's it's not. Um, for all of us, it's not going to be the same. 
So where does this? Uh, so Rashi is has this general principle. What is going on? What is considered? And he points out, as Rabbi Bart points out, when it comes to pikuach nefesh, there are two questions: Is it pikuach nefesh? And then what you're allowed to do for pikuach nefesh? So I started off with what you're allowed to do for pikuach nefesh. Completely separate discussion. What is pikuach nefesh? What is dangerous? He has this argument. So he has this argument that is, and the way he writes is tuliat minhag. Depends what people are nervous about. If people are nervous about it, it becomes pikuach nefesh. If people are not nervous about it, it's not pikuach nefesh. So it's just the says that's utterly ridiculous. You're going to have these hypochondriacs who are nervous about everything, so they make pikuach nefesh. So Rabbi Bard points out, and I think this is, I don't think it's a chiddush of his. I think he's just explaining where someone's are about. No, no, it's not up to you. It's not like your nervousness. What does the seabor hold? Is the sea, is this something that's acceptable in the seaboard? It's not you particularly. Yeah, you might be completely not caring. It's not your psychosis. It's in your current society what is considered to be dangerous. We drive. That's what we do. We go jet skiing. That's what we do. Do we go bungee jumping? So that I don't know. Maybe yes. Maybe no. So it depends on the people. Meaning, if you're if you're a Sharim, they're not going bungee jumping. They're not. So for them, it might be us. It might be a sakana, right? It might be a sakana. So the proof is is that um, this is Rav Unterman. Rav Unterman was one of the earlier chief rabbis of Israel. He uh, that's kind of chief rabbi. He has a sefer called Shevet and Yehuda, who's one of the first books of medical halacha. He like takes this from a, a larger perspective. So he says, look, there are some things that you're allowed to do that are dangerous, but you're allowed to do them. So the Gemara says like this, why? You have to take exceeding care of yourself. You can't just harm yourself. So why, so why can you, there are a lot of things that we allow you, that you're allowed to take permission to do. How could that be? Things that are like quasi-dangerous, like, I don't know, jet skiing. In theory, it's dangerous. But like, come on, we do it, it's fine. Right? There, there are certain things we do that are like, you know, we, we allow it. Or turning a kidney, right? It's dangerous. On some level, but it's not so dangerous. So why is that okay? What about Venetian Rantam on the left of It must be this gray area. So he points out, okay, but if it's allowed, then it can't be that it's a sakana that's allowed you to do chashat. Right? It can't be both. It can't both be allowed and be something that requires you to violate Shabbat to prevent. But Rav Chaim writes this on the Rampa. He's dealing with abortion. And he wants to, he has a big problem with abortion. Um, according to the Rambam, it seems like abortion is going to be murder under certain circumstances. So not for now, it's not our point. But let's assume that that's true. He says, it has to be true. Why does it have to be true? He says, if you're going to, says, let's say the mother is pregnant and the, baby, the fetus's life is at risk. She'll be fine. Can you violate Shabbat to save a baby? We assume yes. Meaning you can violate Shabbat to save a fetus. If that's true, it means you... If your minhadochim, if your life allows you to push aside Shabbat, it can't be that you're also minhanivchim. You can't be both. You can't both be the cause of pikuach nefesh and say, oh, we're allowed to push you away. It can't be. It can't be, right? If you are the reason that allows violation, you can't, a violation can push you off. It's not going to work. Yeah, but it might be different. Let's Okay. No, 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 besides that, but, but if, if the fetus is endangering the mother's life. No, let's say she's not. Let's say it's not. We came up with a case. I don't know. Find some case. She'll be fine. She'll be fine. But if it's endangering the mother's life, so, so then we have the problem. Because once the fetus is endangering the mother's life, it's clear that you're allowed to. So now Reb Chaim has a problem. 
Meaning, once he sets, meaning there's three parts to his, his piece there, he sets up why there's this conundrum. It can't be. It must be you're not allowed to kill the fetus, because if you're allowed to violate Shabbat to the fetus, you can't kill the fetus. Fair enough. So why to save the mother you can? So now he says this comment, and there are three different ways of interpreting it. Not so now. But his point, though, is you can't be both. Meaning, once it's allowed to violate... So it's the same thing, similar, at least, the same parallel structure applies here. If it's permissible to do, it can't be that that same action is going to allow you to be Mechal Shabbos. To save someone's life. So clearly you see that there are things that you're... That, and, and how do you determine that which is dangerous? So it's clear that was yesterday's Tafyomi, Yimel. Right? Shomer Ptayim Hashem. That it depends on what people are considered to be. Um, dangerous, right? Shomer Ptayim Hashem doesn't mean you can walk in the middle of the street and say, oh, Shomer Ptayim Hashem, I'm not paying attention. That's not going to work. Shomer Ptayim Hashem only works with certain things that, right? It's not everything. So, okay, you have to deal when yes, when no, but it, it comes out that it's going to be the something that there's a Hagdar, is whatever we take to be normal, there's going to be a permission to treat dangerously, to either treat dangerously or not treat dangerously, because that's what's considered to be Chil Shabbos. That's what allows you to be Chil Shabbos, is that which we allow you to treat dangerously. So now Rabbi Bart says, oh, that's precisely, and I don't think Rav Shalom Orbach says this, I think he put both pieces together, and I think this is brilliant. Because that's why Rav Shalom Orbach can say that public health has a lower threshold. Why? Because the minnag by public health is to have a lower threshold. Meaning, if by us, we say, ah, this is not dangerous, we do it. Or this is dangerous, I'm nervous, it depends on how we treat it. Right? How you treat it becomes whether it's a sakana or not. So we, whoever that is, the public health community, treats public health more strictly, or with a lower, with a lower threshold, same idea, and therefore that allows Kilo Shabbos on its behalf. Which is a fascinating way to put both things, both things um, together. Um, right? That, that, fine. So, the Nafkamin is going to be things that don't have to be done on Shabbat. Things that don't have to be done on Shabbat. Like vaccines. Leave aside COVID, leave aside a pandemic for a minute. Regular vaccines. Regular vaccines before COVID are a public health concern. They're, and there's something about, of course you're high to do them. Of course you're high to do them. And from a public health perspective, we need everybody to do them, otherwise it's a disaster. But, can you do them on Shabbat? You can do it Sunday, because nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. So, what, so the problem is like this. What if, so now, during the pandemic, though, we have a problem. During the pandemic, you need to get everyone done as quickly as possible, and if everybody reads, so in Florida, where the majority of us aren't Jewish, so Shabbat will be full of, it'll look like a big deal. But in Israel, you may have a problem. You're postponing by a whole day. And you know, you can actually calculate that how long postponing by each day, how many people will die. That's crazy. You could do that math. Now it's all predicting for the future. It's all predicting for the future how many people will die because of waiting. And so there, they allow it on Shabbat. If it was a third, allowed on Shabbat. Whatever, whatever Chil Shabbat is going to be necessary for it. Fine. So that's one approach to this. He brings two others which are fascinating. Not going to have time to go through them completely. Um, Rav Shal Israeli and Rav Goren. Rav Shal Israeli and Rav Goren take a very, very, very different. Rav Goren, what is Rav Goren? Rav Goren was the he was the chief rabbi of Israel with Rav Vadia. That ended poorly. He was also the Rav Arashi of Sal. He was a fierce Zionist. His argument is is that the Medina. Once you have a country, 
the rules change. The rules for a country are different from the rules of a yachid. What a yachid is allowed to do is one question. What a country has to do is another question. And you read it, and it sounds like he's just his Zionism is influencing his stock, but he's good. At the end of the day, who's responsible? Who's going to be responsible for problems that happen? The government. The government ultimately can be responsible. If they don't pave the roads, and people die because of traffic accidents, that's on them. It's not on me and you. It's on them. Now, the problem is that them doesn't exist. There is no them. Them is just us. So, but it's on them in theory. So he says it's not about the mitzvah. He says there's a difference between a mitzvah leads oglus for mam It's my responsibility to take care of you. I don't have to pave the road because the likelihood of somebody getting hit right now is very low. But who's responsible? I mean, the responsibility is ultimately going to be on someone else. If a disaster happens, so his problem is like this. What about all these like preparatory things? What about these regular right, writing down, writing down regular orders in the hospital? What about following through regular army regulations on Shabbat? Like regular army regulations have. If this happens, you must do X, Y, and Z. There's no sakana, leave me alone. We do it because that's how we do it. It's protocol. There are a lot of protocols. We do a lot of protocols. Why? Because in theory, something bad happens. Okay? And if something bad happens, it's responsible. Well, it's then. You could have done all of these things to prevent it. And because they're ultimately responsible for taking care of it, they're also responsible for preventing it. And so then the problem's like this. The problem's like this. Can you right now violate Shabbat to prevent something in the future? We generally assume not. We just, so, okay, we can tell me the pandemic's here right now. You can tell me the pandemic's current, but... And then maybe you have to wait. But here is... Uh, we don't even know what's happening. These protocols are in place to prevent... It, it's, it's a little bit strange. And he says, no, it's about this... He has this notion that since the government, whatever that means, is responsible, they are ultimately also, therefore, allowed and required, I would argue, to, you don't have to wait till a disaster strikes to to deal with it, right? If you're going to be responsible for preventing, meaning at the end of the day, you're going to do it later, and people are going to die because you waited. So then you could do it now. In theory, it, it should all work together. He seems to argue that Rav Shoal Israeli disagrees. That Rav Shoal Israeli has a different, slightly different approach, which is fascinating. I haven't, I haven't seen the Rosh Hashanah Israeli um, inside. He, say, he has this notion of machshirei pikuach nefesh. Rosh Hashanah Israeli says, machshirei ochal nefesh, ochal nefesh on Shabbat you can cook. Machshirei ochal nefesh, can you sharpen a knife to cook? Right? So we assume not. Machshirei ochal nefesh, she'efshar lasotam yom, you could have sharpened a knife yesterday. Sharpened a knife Arab hand. If you didn't do it on Yom, sorry, too bad. Right? He has this machshirei pikuach nefesh. He expands this notion to be like, well, there are things that you have to put into place if you're going to have to work, right? You can't wait for the traffic accident to happen to start doing the linen in the hospital. If the linen isn't there for the people to come, right? If, if, the, if the computers aren't plugged in until, like, the car accident happens, people are going to die. It's And he has this argument that there's an expansive definition of that's going to allow some things, but not all. But it's not going to allow all. See, Roshoi Israeli is going to have a much stricter approach. Once you say everything is responsible, so everything is responsible. He actually wants to argue, and I'll end with this. What about, what about, can the government pay for sports? Can the government pay for parks? So he says, well, of course, Israeli. Everything's machir pukoch nefesh. If everything's machir pukoch nefesh, you should pukoch nefesh, just everything. 
I would have said the other way. I would have said that according to Rav Goren, if the government is ultimately responsible, so they should do everything in their right to fit in. They're not ultimately responsible. They're only responsible in as much as they put in their budget. And therefore, it's a question. How can the government pay for anything else if all of these things are true? They have to prioritize. So why is that acceptable? If they could prevent more lives, save more lives, couldn't they be saving more lives? So Bezrat Hashem, we'll see Rav Israeli and um, Rav Goren Bezrat Hashem next time. Okay.